Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Well, half of us are. I'm Simon Head, and on this week's show, it's just me. I'm on the road again after UFC 205. Got back from New York City on Monday afternoon, said hello to my family for the evening, uh, got some sleep, repacked the bag, and here I am now in Belfast, Northern Ireland for UFC Fight Night, Musasi versus Hall. Myself and Sandu will both be octagon side for that event and we'll have some uh, some interesting news about something a little special we've got coming up for next week's show a little bit later on in this one. But for now, it's time to look back at the weekend just gone, which of course was UFC 205, Madison Square Garden, New York City, Conor McGregor putting on a masterclass to knock out Eddie Alvarez. Uh, two rounds, eight minutes, five knockdowns, two world titles UFC history right there the first athlete to ever hold world titles in two separate weight classes at the same time amazing performance on an incredible night of fights in the most historic venue Um, you could possibly put a set of fights on in Madison Square Garden obviously a rich history of combat sport and it really was a very very special experience to be there to be a part of it backstage after the the crazy night of fights. We had so much uh, going on. I sat down with uh, a number of our press row colleagues uh, just to get their take on some of the craziness that happened on on fight night. Just a quick recap. Obviously, we know about Conor McGregor. The co-main event was an absolute belter between Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But it ended in, some might say controversy, I would just say confusion. Uh, The scorecards are read out correctly, 47-47 twice. And 48-47 to Tyron Woodley. Uh, But Bruce Buffer announced it as a split decision win for Tyron, which wasn't correct. And uh, virtually all the front row of press row were bellowing into the octagon going, it's a draw, it's a draw. And uh, eventually they managed to correct it, but there was... uh, there was a bit of running around going on, and uh, it was it was very confusing at the time. There's also some running around going on after the Conor McGregor fight, where he was demanding demanding to see his second belt. He wanted to get that iconic uh, moment with one belt on each shoulder, and there was only one belt there, and uh, it needed Reed Harris, a longtime UFC executive, to uh, to run backstage and uh, bring back a second belt. And I tweeted on the night that that belt came from Tyron Woodley. And that he wasn't too happy about it. Uh, I'd heard some conversations uh, from some of the uh, some of the some of the staff involved, who were party to that transaction. And uh, so uh, I've put that information out there. And as is the way with Twitter, the uh, you know the responses came back. You know, spreading lies. Don't believe him. This that the other. You know, doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I did know what I was talking about. I knew what I was talking about. And uh, Dana White backed up backed up my tweet in the post-fight press conference when asked, saying that it did come from Tyron Woodley. And uh, Tyron Woodley's reaction when uh, he was asked about it backed up the fact that he wasn't happy about it. So um, just a little a little thing there. Um, it was it was it was kind of nice to be vindicated when you do get a lot of crap flying around on Twitter and when you're doing the job I do it's 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 an amazing experience to be able to do it but you do get a lot of haters and those haters really don't have much of a clue so uh, it was it's nice to uh, to shut them up once in a while and uh, they all went very quiet after that press conference 
Um, so lots to talk about with regard to that. Uh, we also had a cracking women's title fight between Yuani and Jacek and Carolina Korkiewicz, who put on a really, really uh, dogged performance. I think most people were expecting Yuani to win the fight. A lot of people were picking Yuani to win it uh, over the five rounds. I don't think many people were picking Carolina to uh, to show quite as strongly as she did. It was a it was a really impressive performance from her. And she comes away from that fight with an enormous amount of credit and the cheers that she was getting during her post-fight speech from the Madison Square Garden crowd really did tell the really did tell the story of the fight. Great performance from her, even though she goes away uh, with with a, her undefeated record now uh, in tatters. Um, we had some other great fights on the card. Chris Wyburn, Yoel Romero was shaping up to be a to be a real barn burner and uh, it looked like Weidman might have just about held held the edge in that fight until that huge flying knee from Yoel Romero knocked out Weidman and uh, left him with a, with a huge gash on his head. Uh, I saw Chris in the fighter hotel the following day and he was sporting sunglasses for very good reason. So um, yeah, he, was, uh, he, he had a huge black eye and he'd had a lot of stitches. As had Wonderboy actually. Uh, he had a he had a few fair few stitches across his nose as well. Uh, but uh, overall, it was a it was a fantastic uh, a, sorry a fantastic night of fights. Some fantastic performances from the fighters involved, and uh, lots to chew over. Uh, when I caught up with some of my friends from the MMA media backstage at Madison Square Garden, I caught up with MMA junkies John Morgan, who deserves a very special thank you. Uh, I'll explain why in a little bit. Uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal's Adam Hill uh, gave us his take. Uh, Dennis and Casper from Submission Radio in Australia uh, kicked things off for us this week. And uh, a pair of fellow Brits. We had to get some more Brits on the Brit pack. So um, Jim Edwards from Flow Combat and Jonathan Schrager of MixedMartialArts.com were both knocking about in the press room. Uh, and I managed to collar the pair of them and uh, get their respective take on... Uh, what we just witnessed on a on a remarkable night at Madison Square Garden. Check out the reaction, and uh, I'll come back to you on the other side of what they've got to say. Check it out. All right, the Brit Pack is backstage at UFC 205 Woo! after a quite remarkable event, gentlemen. We've got the boys from Submission Radio, Dennis and Casper, here with us uh, to uh, to break down some of what we saw mm-hmm. uh, here at Madison Square Garden. We'll start with you first, Casper. That main event, Conor McGregor. Um, could he get it done? Could he become a two-weight world champion? Could he make history? Why was anybody in doubt? It, he made it look so easy. What did you make of it? I know. We're all fools for saying that Eddie Alvarez had a chance. The whole time, like, and, and I think this has been the trend with a lot of these fights, or pretty much the whole event, it was sort of a pick and fight. You know, you could very easily see Conor McGregor doing what he did, but you also could see Eddie Alvarez going in there, implementing a very disciplined game plan. He didn't do that at all. It wasn't even close. It was a very dominant performance by Conor McGregor. The wrestling and the clinch that we spoke about, it wasn't even a factor. It's its not just that he beat Eddie Alvarez, because people have beaten Eddie Alvarez before. It's the, its the level of ease that he did it with. I mean, from the very get-go, you know, the first round was easily a 10-8. The second round, he got it done. I, for once, got a prediction right, predicted that it was going to be a knockout. I know, right? Celebrate, rejoice. This is, this is what it's all about. Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing performance. Dennis, what did you make of it? I mean, it was people thought that Alvarez and I, I count myself among them. Yeah. Were, Alvarez was going to give him trouble in those early rounds. Mm-hmm. That he'd use his wrestling. That he'd take him down. Mm-hmm. Connor just touched him on the chin first time down he went. Mm. And 
it was just it was all, it, it was pretty much in the bag from that point. Mm. Uh, yeah, we were all talking yesterday about this, and I was so close to saying I thought Eddie Alvarez was going to win this because of the way this thing was going to go down. I mean, Eddie is incredibly tough. We've seen some of the stuff, some of the punishment that he's taken. And when I was watching it, it was just like there's no doubt about it. In my mind, a couple of interesting things popped up. One of them is uh, the pound-for-pound discussion. Now that he's a dual champion, where does he sit in this list? Because he's the first man to do it. He beat Eddie Alvarez. Sure, he doesn't have the history of a lot of these other guys. Sure, he's not like an Anderson Silva in his peak who was just destroying guys back-to-back-to-back-to-back or a Demetrius Johnson. But where does he sit? Because in my mind, what I saw was just absolutely spectacular. I didn't expect it whatsoever. Eddie went down, and it was, it was... it was like a fight that we've never seen before. I mean, the, he, there's just no doubting. Uh, because I think, we let's be honest, we get lost in the fact that Conor McGregor is this big media machine and this sort of larger-than-life persona and that, you know, honestly, the UFC sort of push him more than other fighters and he gets better opportunities than a lot of other fighters. So a lot of the time we forget about the fact that the guy is superhuman. He's got superhuman punching ability. And to me, I, I just couldn't believe what I saw, Simon. You know what else is crazy? You mentioned Anderson Silva. Tonight, this was like an Anderson Silva moment for him. Because from the get-go, his skill has always been outshined by his bravado and his personality. But here, what you saw was very similar to Anderson Silva fights, where the guy goes in for the first round, tries to take down Anderson Silva. In the first round, Anderson reads him. You know, he starts taunting. He starts getting loose. We saw Conor McGregor put his hands behind his back. I mean, that's a very Anderson Silva-style fight. You know, it reminded me at moments of the Forrest Griffin fight, where Conor McGregor, you know, was loose. He was flowing. Uh, he really didn't get hit with much of anything, and he was dodging punches with ease. And then in the end, he finished the fight. So this was, this is probably Conor McGregor's best performance to date. Yeah, unbelievable performance from Conor mm. McGregor. He's obviously going to be the main headline maker moving away from this. We had a whole card of fantastic fights. Uh, Dennis, first off, pick out pick out one or two of your your favourite moments that you. Uh, you oh man, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. The knee from Yoel Romero. That's another spec. I mean, this card. I was, a lot of people sort of shout on us because we were, I was pretty negative going into this thing and uh, I said a bunch of stuff about the atmosphere not being right and the fans not being there and a lot of people disagreed and let me know about it but the fact of the matter is this event was just absolutely superb the, uh, Yoel Romero knee was absolutely crazy I mean Khabib's performance what can you say about that he, he I've been doing a jiu for a, a number of years now maybe about five six he's on a perennial I mean I've, I've been a wide belt all my life and always will be but he did stuff that I've never seen before yeah. some of the techniques that he used that just absolutely blew my mind so that was an absolutely crazy moment as well um the Car- Carolina being able to perform the way she did against Joanna, I mean, I really thought that was going to be a blowout. The fact that she had that much height in the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, Tyron Woodley, for a couple of reasons. One was obviously the fact that uh, Thompson showed us a level of toughness that I didn't think existed. The guy was just absolutely uh, not human as well. And also the decision being wrong and Bruce Buffer coming out of the cage. I mean, I, and there's probably another 10 other moments that I could list, but it was, to me, this was just an, it was such a huge event that and so much happened I mean you could talk about Raquel Pennington you could talk about Misha Tate retiring all the other stuff that it's just it's going to take me a few days just to process it it's going to take us a few days to write all of that yeah Casper, <laughs> uh, what are your main takeaways aside from that, that remarkable main event performance ah lit- okay first of all there literally was not a single bad fight on this card there was no stinkers, and there wasn't even any that were mildly slow. Every single fight was great. Uh, even, even you know, Caitlin Chikagian and Liz Carmouche. I mean, it started off a little bit slow. It went great. Every, literally every single fight was great. I think probably uh, Joanna and Carolina, where Carolina ended up hurting her. 
I would say probably my favorite fight though was the Woodley Thompson fight just because it started off slow it was a real sort of mental chess match both guys trying to keep distance the distance game was at play then you see Tyron Woodley you know rock Thompson hit him harder than he's ever been hit before something that I think most of us didn't really expect obviously a possibility but we all thought Thompson was going to beat him with ease and then it ended up being a war for the ages a classic fight you know Thompson being really really badly hurt in the fourth round and rallying getting out of that guillotine and then you know like you mentioned Dennis the the you know Bruce Buffer pulling a Steve Harvey, even though I don't think it was his fault. I think it was. Uh, I think it was the commission. Yeah, he popped out of the cage and it looked like he wanted to double check it. So I, mean, I, th- I think he was like, yeah. "Is this really a majority decision?" And then anyway, that that made it an even more interesting moment. So yeah, all around, I, I think it's not a stretch to say this probably is the best card ever. I know you two guys have got uh, other stuff you need to be sh- uh, shooting off to do. Mm-hmm. Time is tight here. It's currently. Three minutes to four in the morning. Yeah. Real time. Uh, very, very quick last one just for you. Yeah. Um, UFC are coming to Melbourne. Uh-huh. Uh, very quick word from the pair of you on that. Uh, what's your take on it? And, and it's taken a bit of a hit <laughs> as an event. You lost your main event. Uh, but you two, you two guys are obviously going to be there covering it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Listen, uh, the card isn't great. It's great for local Australians. It's not great maybe for international fans who don't really know a lot of these fighters. The locals should still go. It's in an arena, um, Rod Lave Arena. That's a historic arena. It's where the Australian Open is played. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. What can you say? Robert Whitaker doesn't really have the star power that a lot of people think he does. Even in Australia and New Zealand, people still are trying to learn about him, know who he is. He's a very humble guy. doesn't really say much in his interviews. But this may be a moment that a star is born. Now, Derek Brunson is going to be super tough. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to beat Derek Brunson. But if he does beat Derek Brunson, I mean, I think fans need to realize that this is an opportunity to watch maybe a future champion in the making, having one of his biggest wins of all time. So I'm going to go from that perspective. Watch it, because you'll get to see possibly a future champion have his biggest win if Robert Whitaker can do this. Yeah, I mean, pretty much what Dennis said. If you like the middleweight division, obviously we see Yoa Romero is going to get the next title. This is an exciting uh, exciting fight between two prospects in Brunson and, and Robert Whitaker. I, I can't really say any better than Dennis, but um, yeah. Great stuff. Appreciate your time. Brit Pack, best podcast. Love the guys. Thanks for having us. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Ivan. All right, joining me on uh, a monumental day in the history of mixed martial arts yeah. is Mr. Jonathan Shriver of MixedMartialArts.com. Fellow Brit, so it only makes sense to, uh, to get him onto the Brit pack. Um, unbelievable night. Uh, almost every single fight on that card delivered. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the main event first. Give us your take on that quite incredible performance by Conor McGregor. Yeah, I mean... it. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because as a journalist or someone that covers the sport, it's like you, you're all, you're all vying to articulate something slightly different than what's already been said, and it it's almost like we're exhausting the superlatives by this stage. You know, almost like no superlative suffices because the guy just outdoes himself every time, and just when you think there's there's nothing actually you can do now, he goes and does it again. It's just incredible. I mean. Purely on the level of the belts, it's historic. Um, not name dropping here, but I interviewed his dad today, Tony, and as his dad always says, Tony about Connor being an oasis of calm. Tony was an oasis of calm, and I just found, you know, we're less than twelve hours away from his son competing for something incredible, and his dad was just super chilled out. I mean, a coffee and a croissant, and it was as if, you know just a regular day for the McGregor clan and uh, it's almost like that's the way it's becoming for them you know they're just pulling off these things with 
consume at ease. Um, that, what surprised me most, and most people have commented on it, is the the ease with which he beat um, Eddie. We all know how talented Eddie is. Uh, the belts evidence that that he's won throughout his career. Um, he goes out and sort of demolishes RDA in his last fight, and you think this is a serious challenge for Conor McGregor. Just goes in there and makes it look like an easy day at the office just incredible really that's what struck me most and also what I find amusing is that we're still going to get people online that doubt the man Conor McGregor they're going to say well he hasn't fought Habib yet or he's not fought Frankie yeah of course he's not you know great fighters don't always get the chance to fight everyone we hope that we do see him in with a couple of these names in the future but if you doubt Conor McGregor's talent at this stage after all he's done I hate to use the, the term the kids use nowadays, but you are a hater. Um, can't doubt the man inside or outside the octagon. Yeah, it was. It was. It's 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 a crazy crazy sport. This mixed martial arts lark, and we saw some remarkable things happen. We obviously saw history with Conor McGregor. We saw some incredible action. We saw Yoel Romero uh, unleash a quite spectacular, incredible flying knee. Yeah to stop Chris Wyburn, who up to that point was having a quite a good performance. Mm. And then we had the co-main event. We need to talk about this co-main event, John, because it, it started out that Woodley was had, had the advantage early on. Then Wonderboy started to get into the fight. And then all hell broke loose in the middle of the fight. Um, from your perspective, how, how were you watching it in the press room or were you in the arena? Uh, I was upstairs. There was obviously you were cage side, and then there was like an auxiliary press bit right. That's what I suppose you call it in the gods, but right. it was a cracking view. Yeah. Um, I actually, admittedly, uh, I was desperate for a pee, so I missed part of the first round. But I, I was informed by other members of the press that it, it kind of went that, that Tyron was able to get into the mat and, and sort of um, grind away a little bit. So presumably won the first round um, I thought what it boiled down to essentially the fight is that Tyron won his rounds more emphatically whilst Wonderboy looked really impressive and I think he might have even wobbled Tyron at one point very yeah. like not in the, not, so. yeah not to the extent that um, Tyron obviously wobbled him but certainly um, phased him um, but I think what struck well what, what most impressed me about Wonderboy tonight we all know his style, um, this, this kind of neo movement and the karate point system style. We're all aware that he's really impressive. Um, I kind of I put out a tweet which I thought was quite funny, but no one. <laughs> picking up your tweet there. Yeah, you? well, no, no one retweeted or liked it, so it couldn't have been that good. Um, I put, I said something along the lines of uh, Stephen Wonderboy moves as smoothly in the octagon as your drunk uncle at a wedding on the dance floor thinks he's dancing. It's good. Yeah, I thought it was half decent, but uh, yeah, I think he got one like. He's got that in 140 characters. I'm impressed with that, to be fair. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. I don't know how I did it. I might have... uh, But anyway, yeah, so I got the one like. It might have even been myself that liked it, but... um, uh, So, yeah, I mean, we all know that, but I think what, what was amazing tonight is that the guy's got balls of steel. I mean... Sometimes there's this misconception with fighters that are, um, you know, a bit bit uh, smooth and, and slick operators that actually, if they go into the trenches, what we're going to see from them? Well, he was a pretty boy. He can't possibly be tough, right? Precisely. Yeah, yeah. it's this like um, disconnect that people associate with people. That are, you know, like you say, you know, clean, squeaky clean. And but the guy's got balls of steel. I mean, he he probably had a very good opportunity when Tyron rocked into. Um, 
you know, to take the easy route out, especially when Tyron then tried to sink in the choke on him. And, you know, at one point it looked like he might tap, um, but he just, he, he soldiered his way through. He actually ended up on top of Tyron at the end of that round and started throwing strikes. And it's just like, wow, you know, these are the, the kind of, you know, and I know sometimes we aggrandise things in this sport. We try and take it, we try and elevate it to a plane that's sort of beyond sport. But sometimes it's the sheer will of human spirit. And I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's true. It's it like, is. you know, he conjured something in himself in that round and he got through it. It's yeah. incredible. Fantastic performance. Give me one more standout performance from from your perspective from tonight's fights. There were so many to pick from. There were. Um, someone like Raquel Bennington goes under the radar a bit. And, yeah. Uh, for someone like her, this this was a huge moment. It won't get the column inches that some of the other fights will. Yeah. But if you're looking at a, a fighter who's really advanced their stock this evening, yeah. Raquel Pennington's got to be right up there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there was that really intriguing backstory with the the apprentice coming the master, you know, becoming the master tonight, and and uh, that was the big narrative all week here. And and then you had it, it you know, it was all uh, compounded at the end with with Misha basically retiring, and, you know, impromptu on the spot inside the cage. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes these things, as you know, with fighters, because you've been around a load of fighters, all stages of um, you know of their activity so whether it be camp fight week post fight and you know post fight emotions are raw whether they've won or lost so possibly when the emotion subsides in a couple of weeks will she reassess the, the, the great thing with Misha is she has got other options she could be a movie star so maybe not maybe it is the right time to walk away but no it, Raquel was impressive so I think the other performance that impressed me that probably sort of a fight that definitely flew under the radar given the magnitude of the fights on this card was uh, Vincente Luque Vincente actually is yeah, Vincente Brazilian pronunciation Vincente or Vincente I don't know my oh. Portuguese is terrible right. I'm struggling with English right now <laughs> well, yeah. because if it was Spanish I would say Vin- with the Vente but anyway um, Mr Luque Mr Luque was really impressive uh, one of the members of the press actually tapped me, tapped me on the arm after it and said, this guy, yeah, he's good looking, he speaks well, he was translating his own Portuguese, which was impressive. Um, and, he, and it was a really impressive KO. I think it was the left hook he connected with. Bilal rushed in, uh, a guy that looked very loose on the way into the cage. He was dancing, which I know Dana's not a massive fan of. He's commented a couple of times, you shouldn't be that relaxed. But no, it, uh, coming on two weeks with... Um, you know, notice, and I, I was impressed with him. Uh, it was an emphatic finish. Yeah, it's a great night for the sport. Lots of great performances. Uh, great to have you on the Brit Pack, John. I hope it all Thanks goes really well for you, and we'll speak to you at another event further down the line, I'm sure. Thank you, Simon. I enjoy chatting because it, uh, I very rarely get to talk. I'm always the one asking, but it's nice occasionally. Good stuff, mate. Cheers. Yeah. All right, we are backstage in a, in a very empty-looking uh, press conference area at uh, Madison Square Garden. It is the uh, the calm after the storm. I'm sitting here with Mr Jim Edwards, uh, fellow Brit. So again, if we can get another Brit on the Brit pack, it just makes things a little bit better. Jim, that was a, a bonkers night of fights. Give me your initial reaction to the, the, you know, the whole Conor McGregor situation. No one can doubt this man anymore, surely. Well, no, no, they can't. But firstly, I've got to say, this, this backstage uh, press room is looking a bit sad right now. Everyone's yawning, everyone's complaining. It's quarter past four in the, uh, 
in the morning, but hey, we're used to this already. Um, yeah, Conor McGregor tonight, that is the most dominant performance I've ever seen from him. It was clinical in every sense of the word. As, as he said in the post-fight press conference, he didn't have a scratch on him. Alvarez couldn't touch him, and time after time, he punished him for missing that right hand, and I think it was sixth time lucky, wasn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, it, um, unbelievable performance from McGregor, and the big question now is is where does he go from here? I mean, we had him up on the on the dais there talking in the press conference, and it would appear his future is rather uncertain right now. What we do know is that he gave us the happy news that he's about to become a father. It sounds to me like he's pooping himself at the prospect. I've been there, I understand. If he needs any tips, he can hit me up on Twitter. In May, not March, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's quite important to know that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that aside, the big thing that he really did drop as a bit of a bombshell was the whole talking about getting equity in the company, yeah. um, which is, you can see where he's coming from, but it's also one hell of an ask. Um, what, did you, what did you make of it when he said that? Yeah, it was one of those lines that if you, if you kind of missed it and weren't tuning into, you, you didn't quite get it, but I, uh, I've seen it a few times now. I believe he said he will not return until he has a stake of ownership in the UFC. Now, that's a massive thing. He says he's not even talked properly to the new owners yet. That shocked me. I've got to be honest. I'd have thought he'd have been one of their first calls as soon as they got on board. It was a question I wanted to ask all week, but I almost felt stupid saying it because I thought, of course they've got to talk to Conor McGregor. He is, uh, although they may not uh, may not say it in public, that he, he is the MVP of, of the UFC right now. Um, it does shock me they've never talked to him properly. I think you can have to right now, though. Um, I think he's put his cards on the table. He ain't coming back. And uh, I mean, I, I read what he said in, in a few different ways. I, I personally felt that he said that he wouldn't be returning until he's had that child. People on social media are telling me different. I, I don't know if, may, if maybe I read that wrong, but that's that's quite a long layoff for Conor McGregor. That's that's six months at a minimum. Yeah. Well, that kind of that kind of explains why it threw him so much when they said that the baby was coming later. Because uh, he Probably might, he might have thought, well, I can take time off until March. We're in November mm. now. That kind of works. You can have a few months. But if it's May, that's that's an extended rest. So um, yeah, especially maybe, for maybe, Conor McGregor. Especially for Conor McGregor, who quite rightly says he's one of the most active, possibly the most active champion on the UFC roster. Um, the the question that wasn't answered today, he was asked, but it wasn't answered, is what's going to happen with this uh, 145 pound belt? What do you? Th- there's no point asking you what is going to happen because, let's be honest, we none of us have a clue. What do you think should happen? I, after what we've seen tonight, 155 pounds, he was untouchable, powerful, quick. Just everything he did, he did with, with a, just total authority over Eddie Alvarez, who, you know, I think a lot of people picked coming into this fight, but... He finished him without... He just looked like a, a Sunday morning stroll for this guy. He walked in, into, into the octagon with a confidence that he was going to do exactly what he wanted to this man. That's exactly how it, how it transpired. Yeah, give me your other big takeaway from today. There were so many little storylines and headlines and great performances and bizarre moments. It, it, it would almost take sort of two, three days solid work to give the coverage that all of them deserve yep. uh, you know the time that they really should have but it's it's been a, you know it was billed as the biggest show in UFC history and it, it really delivered 
probably more talking points than any event I can ever remember covering for the UFC. That's for sure. Um, give me your, give me your other, you know, a couple of other big takeaways from tonight's event. I, I believe I saw the best women's fight I've ever seen in the UFC this evening. Karolina Kalkiewicz, Joanna Janjacek put on an absolute barnstormer. I mean, just when Joanna looked like she had quite a real control of the fight, she looked to be picking away at Karolina, uh, you know, nicely at range with leg kicks, body kicks. Karolina didn't look as if she was going to land that big shot she was kind of searching for the first three rounds. Then the fourth, it kind of just everything got turned on its head. Carolina hit her with that massive right right hand. Joanna Janjacek, I can't even believe it's saying this, dropped to the floor. You know, it was it was in it was in you know the title was in her grasp, but she didn't quite get the finish. Joanna Joanna you know fought really bravely. I think there was all these pictures flying around the internet of what all uh, Joanna Janjacek's different opponents look like after their fights with her. When actually you looked at Carolina after this fight, she you know she was still a uh, she was fresh as ever, and it was Yunjacek with a broken nose and a massive hematoma was told to go to the hospital. You know, this is, you know, as I said, I, I believe it's the best women's fight. I, I, Dana's talking about Caroline having to fight Claudia Gadea, which I think makes no sense. I know Gadea's even got a fight lined up next next month, which is that uh, totally ridiculous suggestion. It should be a rematch. It should be in Poland, and it should be in 2017. Everyone wants it. I don't think there is a single person who attended this evening, all 20,000, 20, the millions watching at home, that, that could possibly disagree with that. Yeah, and I think it gives them a great reason to go back to Poland. First time they went, it was uh, it was a bit of a, a bit of a scouting mission, if you like. They've got to do a little bit more than they did on that first show in order to compete with the likes of KSW, who really own that space over there, to put on a Poland versus Poland world title fight involving arguably the most exciting champion in the UFC today, uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me. The only minor argument I'd have with you is I still think the Gedalia fight maybe just shades it, but I will, I will, I will give it to you. That, that, that was an outstanding contest. Um, one other takeaway from you before we have to pack up and leave. Let me know. Maybe, you know, maybe someone from the, uh, from the undercard, from the prelims, who maybe stood out. We had... You know, we had so many knockout performances. You know, Luke produced a superb knockout. Tim Boach, who I'm sure people are walking away forgetting he was even on the card, yeah. he produced a good performance. You know, we we had some we had some some really good strong performances lower down the card. I mean, yeah, we did, and it's so easy to forget them. Um, I thought Frankie Edgar put in a, a solid performance. Maybe not the best of his career or anything like that, but you know, he's coming off a, a really tough loss to Jose, Jose out at UFC 200. A bit, you know, quite a bit of pressure on him. He was fighting almost in his own backyard, being a New Jersey boy, and I thought he put in a clinical, solid performance against a very dangerous Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I can also just uh, pass a mention to Misha Tate, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually don't know what to make of that retirement. Joe Joe Rogan did say in the octagon, "Did you have was was this planned?" And she kind of said it was a reaction to the result tonight. Yeah. And maybe she's thinking because Rocky Pennington, you know, someone someone who she's coached before, maybe she's thinking that you know some of these younger girls are coming through. Yeah, I still think Misha take me a player in that 135 pounds division. And just lastly, Yoel Romero, I think you know he, he's the bad boy. I guess uh, of of the UFC in many in many sense, and you know, who can possibly deny that? I mean, his corner pouring water at his feet uh, at the end of the first round, pouring extra water on him—it was absolutely pathetic. Um, yeah, but you know, who can argue with his that clear, just devastating finish of Chris Weidman in the third round? And 
I, I, you know, let's end this uh, just with our, uh, a hat tip to our British champion Michael Bisping. Was like class. it was all, it was pro wrestling style. Bisping, the champion in the stands, giving it the old come on, and then flipping the bird at Yo Romero, who was in the centre of the octagon. It was, it was, it was pro wrestling 101, but it was excellent, exactly what it needed. We're probably going to see Bisping and uh, Romero in 2017. And what a fight that will be, and a perfect way referencing a Brit. To, uh, to wrap this one up Jim thank you very much and um, no doubt we'll have you on the Britpack again at probably the next event wrap which is all next week Ooh, next week Belfast I look forward to it Simon see you then Top man. we're live we're live the Britpack <laughs> is backstage at Madison Square Garden uh, we've lost six minutes of golden analysis from Mr John Morgan due to my inability to operate this damn recorder properly but we're back and uh, <laughs> Well, very, very quickly, because John's already said all this, go over what we've uh, just witnessed. First off, Conor McGregor, amazing performance, two-weight world champion. He said it from the start. People doubted him. People wondered if he would ever get to the position to become a two-weight world champion. And here he is, history maker here in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, no, it was incredible to just to... I mean, the performance was stunning. I mean, this, this I think, was probably the best fight of his career. I mean, just... I, you know, I picked him. I picked him via second-round TKO. It's exactly how it went down. But even in my head, when I saw it going down that way, I didn't see, you know, five knockdowns and just effortlessly lacing in that left hand and just dropping Eddie Alvarez seemingly every time he, he scored with it. So just a scintillating performance by, by uh, Conor McGregor. And then, yeah, I mean, to let it soak in about the history that he's setting. I mean, we... we uh, you know, again, we're always looking for angles to sell, and you know, you know, you know, some type of record that we can say someone set. But to say, I mean, this is the first guy in UFC history to simultaneously hold two belts, and as you said, something that he openly said he was going to do from the very beginning. Amazing. Is there any more that this guy can achieve in a sport? There's, you know, we've been talking about the potential for moving up to 170. Is that a bridge too far for him? He doesn't seem to think so. Jesus, I mean. Listen, I ain't going to doubt anything that guy says. If he says, bring me, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar once his suspension is over because I'm going to beat that big white gorilla or whatever he wants to say, you know, like, uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, the thing is, you know, Connor's smart about the moves he makes. You know, he, he, I'm not trying to take away because what he's accomplished is incredible. So, so don't, don't get me wrong in saying that. But, you know, you look at it. Woodley is not a massive 170-pounder. I mean, yes, he's big and, and, and thick and powerful and all those things, but he's not like 6'3", uh, where we'd have this incredible range. I mean, I think that's what I think a lot of people maybe didn't realize going in or just didn't think about it or value enough is, you know, yes, he, w- he went up to challenge for the lightweight title, but he challenged a guy that a lot of people have always felt could potentially fight at featherweight as well, you know, and um, he, he was still the bigger longer guy in the cage and that was obvious i mean that and, and that's what connor does so well the distance the, the the way he masters distance and the way he uses his uh, long frame to his advantage is spectacular and he was able to do that even though he was fighting up a weight class it was a remarkable performance where's he going to go from here we talked you know we heard in the press conference that he's going to become a father uh, we both know how it feels to know that that's coming uh, <laughs> and uh, when he says he's he's uh, he's crapping his jocks we know how that feels, yeah, yes, right? So, so he's got that to go through and to deal with, and you can only assume you might be looking to take a little bit of time out uh, during that process. But when he comes back, he, he wants he wants equity in the company, and it sounded to me like he might not necessarily come back at all if he hasn't got it. It, it, it sounded like a 
a thinly veiled threat to the owners to me. It did, and it's bizarre because it's really not an, an unreasonable demand, you know, for what he's doing, for the, for the amount of revenue that he's generating for the company and what he's doing. It, it doesn't seem like it's really all that wild of a demand for him to say that I, I need to, you know, get a little piece of this. Now, you know, whether or not that makes sense or how they do it, I don't know. I mean, maybe it just makes sense for them to just pay him more money if every time he fights or something like that. But um, truthfully, as bizarre as it sounds, it's not an unreasonable demand. And uh, the dude the dude delivers on everything he says, as he says, you know. They say he talks, but he backs it up. You know, he's the busiest guy in the game. He fights in every weight class. It's a, What he does, the attention that he commands, it's unmatched in the sport. You know, it really is. And uh, it sounds insane, but I wouldn't be surprised if somehow he gets a couple of points and, you know, maybe they've got a, a an office picked out for him with a new facility being built in Las Vegas. Who knows? Could he be? the natural successor to Dana White one day. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? You could. I don't know if it'll interest him, but, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. as You know, people used to say that about Chell Sonnen, and I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could, but, yeah. Yeah, he could. The guy the guy gets the business as good as anybody. Now, I'm not sure. He'd, I mean, it seems like he'd probably just match himself up with everybody or whatever, <laughs> so I don't know if it would work out properly, but... Yeah, for a guy to just stand there and, and be the spokesperson for the company, he could. you could absolutely do worse. And uh, as well as Connor, Connor producing the goods on Fight Night, we saw an awful lot of other uh, stars in the UFC producing the goods on Fight Night. Um, Joanny and Jacek had to fight through some fire to get through uh, Carolina Korkiewicz. Uh Carolina, I thought that the fight would probably go the distance, but I didn't think that Carolina would be able to put up as much resistance as she did. And to actually drop Joanna in that fight was, I mean, the gasps around the arena just told the story. That that was quite something. And uh, if you looked at the pair of them right now, you'd think that Carolina won the fight because she's come away from it relatively unmarked. Whereas uh, I believe Joanna's got a busted nose and she's cut above one eye. And she's, you know, she's, uh, well, she had a big hematoma, I think, mm-hmm. over one eye. So, um, you know, she took a little bit of a caning in that fight, but she is still... The, uh, the undefeated strawweight champion of the world. Amazing performance. Yeah, it really was. It was a great performance. I mean, uh, it, you know, I thought Joanna dominated the fight, but it did come down to that one moment in the fourth round uh, where Carolina did all of her damage. But the fact that in the fourth round she was still moving forward, she was still throwing hard enough um, to, to, to do something like that, to have the opportunity to create that type of damage, says a lot about her character. And I think why she was getting so much praise for her performance, even though she really didn't have a ton of offense, but just the fact that she was able to stay in there and, uh, and and weather that storm and, and create that moment that, that really will be remembered. And it's funny because I thought, you know, as soon as the fight was over, I was like, you know what's bizarre is that Joanna controlled about 24 and a half minutes of this fight, but Carolina did enough in that 30 seconds that she controlled to probably earn herself a rematch somewhere down the line. Now, not right away. Definitely doesn't need to happen right away. I know that's what she wants, but you don't need to happen. But if Carolina can go out and win you know, three fights, maybe maybe even only two, you know, depending on the circumstances, she could probably find herself in a rematch because you would have that one clip, you know, and she could say, hey, I had her, you know, I had her, and that's and that's the angle you could sell, and uh, maybe it would be a chance, you know, I think, you know, you were always in favor of those two fighting in Poland anyway, yeah. uh, Carolita wants the rematch in Poland, so maybe, maybe they'll go to Poland next year and it would make some sense. And one thing we do have to talk about, again, because we didn't record the first time, was uh, that remarkable, remarkable co-main event. Tyron Woodley uh, retaining his championship via a majority draw, but that isn't what was announced by um, erstwhile Oxford announcer Bruce Buffer on the night. 
not a moment that he'll want to re- uh, remember <laughs> too fondly. But um, it was, it was. I think I think he got fight of the night, um, mm-hmm. and uh, deservedly so. And we came away realizing that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, isn't just a good striker. Um, he can wrestle relatively well defensively, but. He's tough as old boots as well. I mean, he, he went through something in that fight. I think he showed a lot about his character, no doubt about it, man. It was in just horrible positions and, and, and um, was just beat up in a couple of spots and still battled his way through it. Uh, I thought it was a great performance by both fighters, to be honest with you, and I think it's a fight that, that we got to do again, that we have to do again at some point. There's no question about it. Yeah. We've got a few more bits and pieces to do. I see you're, you're doing an incredible job of editing while being spoken to by me Some so next level stuff right here. this is this is this is this is what he's doing so uh we'll, we'll wrap this one up and uh we will speak to you again very soon cheers john thank you brother all right we're backstage here at madison square garden mr adam hill of the las vegas review journal you've covered a few fights in your time mr couple. hill well you know one or two of these big events you've been to uh from your your very limited experience of covering <laughs> this, this 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 sport um how did you how did you assess this one? This this was billed as the biggest UFC event yeah. ever. Did it deliver on it? I, I think, you know, in the moment right now, do you look at it and say the fights were the most amazing fights or the moments were the most amazing moments? Probably not. Um, but I think because, you know, those of us that have been in the sport for so long have been waiting for this day for so long. Uh, you know, we've covered you know, state legislatures that we, we don't, that's not stuff that's part of our job. Like we never do that stuff. And, you know, talking to lobbyists and governors and like, this has been such a process for so long to get to this point. And I, I think that most people on the outside have no idea what led to this. So to be in this building, you know, the most famous arena in the world and, and um, everything that that signifies and everything that this fight signified, I think you saw it um, in Dana White's, uh, you know, talking in his uh, in his press conference, um, it just it was just such a culmination of so long that I think that that becomes why this this night was so big. Because you look back and like McGregor had a great performance, but was it a classic fight? Probably not. Um, the Woodley Thompson fight was amazing, but it ends in a draw, so there's no resolution necessarily. Uh, Joanna looked great, but there was booing for three rounds. Like I I disagree with that. Yeah. But you think back to that, and then you know the knockout by Romero was amazing, certainly. But do you look back and say, was this, oh, this was the greatest thing of all time? Like, no, I don't know if it lived up to that because, the you know, on paper it looked great. And it, it delivered. It was a really, really good card. But I think the historical significance far outweighed um, what we actually saw in the cage. And sp- speaking of historical significance, Conor McGregor has written himself in, into the history books. Yeah. Records can be broken, but you can only ever have one first person. And he's the first person to hold weight champion, sorry, weight classes, sorry, belts. It's very late. Championships in two weight classes at the same time, um, concurrently, concurrently, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, what did you make of of, of his rise? Because obviously, you know, we, we've seen his fight tonight, uh, but he's risen incredibly quickly yes. to this stage, and he's backed up on a, on a on a promise that he made before he ever set foot in the octagon. I think you'd look at that and say he came into the UFC as this braggadocious, you know, self-promoting machine who I think people wanted to see shut up and shut down. And I think right away people were like, oh, this guy is all talk. He's doing this. And he said, I'm coming in here. I'm taking the featherweight belt. I'm taking the lightweight belt. I'm holding two belts. And that's what I'm going to do. And people were like, yeah, right. And he did it. And you can't take anything. Now, I know what I'm about to say. And I know people are going to say, oh, you are taking something away from him. <laughs> 
listen, it fell into place for him perfectly. It really did. And that's not to take anything away. I know it sounds like I'm going to, but I mean, he's, you know, he saw it. He, he, he rose up, won the featherweight title. Unbelievable job by him. Then he's going to go fight Dos Anjos, which I don't think is a great matchup for him. And Dos Anjos pulls out. And then he, he fights Diaz twice, which he loses one, he wins one. But no matter how those fights went, he became a much bigger star because of it and really gave himself the platform to do what he wanted. And then he gets Alvarez, who is, I think, a really, really good matchup for Conor. And you heard him say tonight, that's a good matchup for me. I knew coming in that was a good matchup, and he showed it. And so I think it fell into place for him, but at the same time, just an unbelievable job by him to do what he did. Now, let, let's look back and say, say uh, Nurmagomedov never gets hurt and he fights a couple times and he wins the title. Conor McGregor is not winning the lightweight title. And by the way, if he fights, he's not going to. I'm telling you, I'm guaranteeing this right now. He's never fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov. It's not going to happen uh, because he knows what will happen to him if he does. Um, but, uh, you know, say Nurmagomedov gets the title, Conor never is able to win the, the lightweight title. So things kind of fell into place for him to be able to do that. But at the same time, you have to give him all the credit in the world for saying, I'm coming in here, I'm taking two belts, and that's what I'm going to do. And not only did he take the two belts, but he became the biggest star that the sport has ever seen in doing so. So uh, I don't think you can you can take one, one thing away uh, from what he's done. He has done everything that he said he was going to do and more, and I, I, I'm just continuing to be blown away by his success. Tell me what you made of the co-main. And I, I the fight itself and B... The absolute chaos that ensued afterwards where we had the scores read out correctly, but um, the result confirmed incorrectly. Well, I think the most bizarre thing looking back, because everybody points out that Bruce Buffer read the scores wrong. and He read the scores right, but he read the result wrong. But the fact that he started to read it and then left. Like, he started to read the scores. Somebody either said something in his ear or he realized what was going on and he left. And then... So when and then the other thing is that I don't know I, I'm pretty sure the people at home heard it but I know we did in the arena what you heard is the very end of his conversation with the producers and the the commission outside the cage he goes so and still yes and then and so you're like okay so the confusion you know when he's coming back in whatever the confusion is Tyron Willie still has the title but I, I I said right then and I said to the people that were sitting around me I said oh it's a draw and he was trying to c- confirm. That means and still if it's a draw. And so I, I knew that that was what was going to happen. But then it gets even more bizarre because then he comes back in and he reads 47, 47, 47, 47, 48, 47, Woodley wins. Like, no, 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 there's two word draws. Like, what are you talking about? So I tweeted right away. I was like, he just read that wrong. This is a mistake. This is crazy. And then uh, they do correct it into the into Tyron Woodley's interview. But I thought the most fascinating thing was, you know, Woodley – I think thinking like you're about to take this away from me after you just told me I had the title and not realizing what was going on. Now, I was trying to get the microphone when uh, Stephen Thompson was uh, up on stage and I, I never got it. But I wanted to ask him and at the time, did he realize what was going on or did he think they were going to change it and give him the title? I thought that would have been a fascinating thing to know from him because he said he thought he won the belt. But then when they read the scores, they gave it to Woodley. Did he think when they said, oh, wait a minute, we have a correction, that they were going to say, hey, the title's yours? Or did he know, oh, no, they're just going to correct it and say it's a draw? Was he thinking that quickly uh, when he's in the cage? So it was just it was just a total mess. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that adds to the you know the mystique of the card. You think back and say, oh, that, that first fight in New York, that's when Bruce Buffer read the scores wrong. That's crazy. Madness. Madness. Uh, and Jacek versus Carolina Coralco, uh, which was a, another world championship fight. That one was a little bit more clear cut. Joanna yeah. uh, remains undefeated, uh, knocking off uh, Carolina's undefeated record in the process. Now, before this fight was actually made, 
certainly from my side of the Atlantic, people wanted to see that fight in Poland. How much mileage do you think there is in re- redoing that fight in Poland maybe next year? I mean, maybe, but I think, like you said, it was pretty clear. No, Carolina had had a couple of minutes of really good success in the fourth round. It looked like maybe uh, she'd be able to, you know, to do something, maybe change the course of the fight, but uh, she wasn't able to. And Joanna, to her credit, I think uh, you, you take away from her that um, she can recover from anything, she can go through anything, and she's she's not just a front runner. She can she can recover and battle through. Uh, so I thought that was uh, some was telling about her, and I think the the amount of confidence she's gained in her last couple of fights, where she's always talked a good game, but I think that now she just knows I am the best fighter, and I think you just see that added confidence in her game, which is really really impressive. Uh, so I've been very impressed by her. I thought it was a very good performance. Uh, Carolina gave it a good go, uh, but I I don't think I'd want to see it right away. I think what Dana mentioned today was maybe Gadelia wins another fight, maybe then she fights, but she's got a fight coming up. Maybe then she fights uh, Carolina, and the winner fights Joanna. I think that would be a good. Uh, set up for them, but I, I don't think right away seeing a rematch. I think Carolina wants a rematch right away. I think that's that you know that's a tough sell after it was pretty one sided for the champion. Yeah, yeah, and we had a, a card full of great results further down the card. Khabib Nurmagomedov was was one of the one, you know one of the outstanding performances. So many fights we could sit here and talk about, but he, it, he's the best lightweight in the world. There hasn't been a doubt in my mind for years. I think it's, I mean he wasn't didn't fight the top contender, but God, he looked good again today. When he gets in the cage, when he's healthy. That guy, is a, that guy is a beast. And his call-out I thought was perfect. That was almost as impressive as the fight. So we've got so much more to talk about. But we have just been given the finger across the throat gesture from the, uh, our, our staff member here who is wanting us to get out of the building. So we will do he that. to go home just because it's 5 o'clock in the it's morning? It's 5 in the morning. Yeah, we should probably lock up. We should probably lock up and get out of here. So, uh, Adam, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, I will see you at the next one, hopefully. Yes, anytime. It's great to be with you. Great stuff. Well, there you go. Post-fight reaction from John Morgan, Adam Hill, Denis Skuratov and Kasper Rosalowski, Jim Edwards and Jonathan Schrager. Now, I said we needed to give a special thank you to John Morgan. And uh, as you probably gathered from that little bit of audio there, um, me and John sat down and poured over pretty much all the main card. And uh, we must have recorded at least six minutes, maybe more, uh, of, of some really good stuff. And... Uh, then it then it became apparent that the recorder wasn't actually recording, uh, and it was like ah, oh. it was about half past four in the morning at this point as well, and uh, I think the tiredness had started to set in and it had all gone a bit wrong, but uh, thankfully uh, John was uh, was 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 very very understanding and gracious and uh, was more than happy to uh, to retrace his steps and uh, and go back over it again. So a big thank you to him. Check out his podcast if you don't already. I'm sure you already do. But the MMA Roadshow is uh, an absolute blast of a podcast. And uh, actually, me and Sandu were on it this past week. We were on the preview show ahead of UFC 205. So uh, feel free to uh, go and check that out. Subscribe to them and uh, send them lots of messages and tell them how good the Brick Pack boys are on that podcast. That will just uh, that will just wind up Kenny, who's, who's on the show uh, every week. So, uh, yeah, that will be good fun. Get on there and uh, big, up, big up the Brick Pack. Uh, you can also subscribe to us as well. That's obviously why we're here. So get on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, and uh, basically just get on board, join the show, join the team, as Chris Wyburn would say, and uh, be a part of the show. You can send us questions each week. We will answer them, I promise. And uh, we will make sure that we answer all of them going forward. We've got uh, we've got a few special plans coming up. So uh, please do make sure you get those questions in. We want to make it a bigger, better part of the show going forward. 
Um, it's been it's been a crazy week. I'm not going to lie. It's been a crazy week, and after the uh, the, uh, the the just the sheer sheer chaos of fight week in New York, we have another fight week this week. But I think the vibe will be altogether more relaxed uh, here in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I think things will be a little bit slower. I think the pace will be slower. Um, but I think we're going to get a lot of fun and uh, a lot of character uh, out of these fighters as we build up for this weekend's fight night. I think uh, I think it should be a good, fun fight week. And uh, talking of fun, we're going to do something fun for the next edition of the Brit Pack. Sandu and I, I've, uh, I've had a chat with my friends in the UFC PR department, media relations team, and uh, they have managed to arrange for Mr Sandu and my good self to sit side by side on press row on fight night. And we will record next Monday's episode of the Brit Pack live from Octagon side at the SSE Arena during the fights at UFC Fight Night Musasi versus Hall. It's going to be great fun. We're going to get lots of uh, lots of reaction in there. Tweet us during the fights. This this is this is what I need your help with. Tweet us during the fights at the Brit Pack MMA uh, and ask us questions about the fights and uh, we will make sure that we will try and answer those in the podcast as we're recording it during the night. It's going to be it's going to be great fun. We're going to be sat side by side and we're going to be not so much commentating but reacting to uh, to what we see in front of us in the cage. Of course, Neil Siri making his final appearance uh, as a pro mixed martial arts fighter. He's going to hang up his gloves uh, after this weekend's event, so it's going to be a real privilege to be there to see that. Uh, one of the real stalwarts of the Irish MMA game, and uh, he's going to... Well, I really do hope they give him the send-off he deserves. He's taking on Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall. Big, big test for him in his final, final match. Uh, we've got the Battle of Britain in the co-main event. Ross the Real Deal Pearson taking on... Stevie Ray at lightweight and of course we've got that middleweight main event a revenge mission for Gegard Mousasi who's taking on Uriah Primetime Hall who will be looking to repeat the feat where uh, his spectacular spinning back kick uh, set up a TKO finish against Mousasi uh, a year or so ago lots to lots to look forward to uh, please do jump on our new website thebritpackmma.com everything you need is there um Leave us a bit of feedback on Twitter. Get in touch with us. I'm at Simon Head on Twitter. Sandu is at Sandu MMA. Chuck us a follow. Chuck the show a follow. And uh, send us your questions. Uh, review us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And um, enjoy the show. Enjoy the fights. And we will speak to you from Octagon Side on the next one. Speak soon.